listener production. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is Hookline and Sinker's Back to Basics fishing series where there are no silly questions. This is the place where we strip it back, making it easy for you to get down to the water to enjoy the great sport of angling. I'm Luke McCredden, and joining me, Nick Diagon and Andrew Hart, hosts of the long-running TV show Hook, Line and Sinker, a fishing show that's always put the fun before the fish. So far in this series, you've survived a tackle shop, found a place to fish, geared up, rigged up, and even had a few goes at catching a fish on a lure. Hopefully by now, you've also been able to cook up a feast. But in episode six, we're going to let you in on a little secret. In fishing, it's never your fault, no matter what you do. That's because there's so many things that you can't control and so many external factors. But Andrew, is it all worth worrying about? Look, is it worth worrying about? Worry or not? Is today a good day to go fishing? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves before stepping outside the house into the big bad world of angling. Andrew, I guess what you're talking about there are the many and various external factors Mm. that uh, come to bear on us all as fishermen. And these are things, Luke, I guess, like, you know, the obvious ones, like the weather. Yes. Is today a good day to go fishing? Is it raining? Is it windy? Is it, you know, is there a thunderstorm happening outside? Or maybe they're more esoteric things like the phase of the moon, Andrew, is so where is the moon and what time is moonrise? Nick, those are things that you can't control, Mm -hmm. but hopefully by listening to this, you can kind of understand Mm. and work out whether or not to worry about it. They also give us fishermen a very good excuse because if we're not catching fish when we should be, we can blame any one of these factors. Yeah, which is a great thing to have up your sleeve. Fantastic. And, and if, whenever you talk to fishermen, anglers, they will have excuses for every possible thing that has happened to them during the course of the Because it can't be them. It can't be you. It can't be the way we're fishing. It's got to be the barometer or something like that. Yes, or the tide. I once planned a lovely uh, fishing trip for my wife to celebrate, I think it was our um, 16th anniversary, our 16th wedding anniversary. Sure, old. And, uh, and I thought, what well, it was a lovely day, and I thought what I'll do is I'll take my bride fishing and um, to even celebrate further the 16 years of joy and bliss that we'd spent together, I thought what we'll do is we'll catch 16 big flathead and each one will celebrate, <laughs> each one will represent a year of no. matrimonial bliss. No. So we, we uh, dutifully got on board uh, my vessel, which is called the Mighty Pegasus, 1975 Mustang, and we yes. headed out to sea and it was late in the afternoon, mm. late in the afternoon, beautiful day. I want you to picture this beautiful, balmy, 30-degree mm. late afternoon, rolling seas. But we had to travel some sort of distance out to the fishing spot and there was quite a roll and the Pegasus is a pretty hard riding boat. <laughs> and during the voyage, my wife was heard to utter the phrase, I can hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. You hadn't got fishing and No, no, no. We hadn't, we hadn't got to the fishing part. Anyway, we got to the fishing part and that was all great. That was terrific. Yep. Um, the fishing started <laughs> off slowly but, but eventually grew and we were catching some big, solid sand flathead. And by the time. So romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and potentially, Andrew, as number 16 came over the side, yeah. there was I, a bottle of bubbles oh, in hand, oh, a pop oh, the cork. Oh, no. 
<laughs> and here you are, my darling. Nothing like uh, guts on your hands. Correct. And a Don't worry about any of that. And a, and a little brie on a biscuit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we dutifully travelled the 11 miles home in what was approaching near dark. Then it occurred to me that it was low tide. And I thought, ah, oh, low tide, whatever. It's not, you know, normally I can get my boat onto the mooring at low tide. What I hadn't taken account of was it was a particularly low tide. <laughs> and uh, where I normally um, put the boat on the mooring was well and truly out of the water. Mm. And probably out of the water for a distance of 300 metres. And not just a nice sandbank, no. but a seagrass meadow. <laughs> um, you know, interspersed with holes mud. and, um, yep. you know, rivers and things. So I put the um, put the anchor out and thought, well, I'll have to come deal with this later. And um, I managed to coax my wife out of the boat. With a brilliant biscuit. With a brilliant biscuit and a glass of champagne <laughs> to walk the 300 metres back to shore through the seagrass meadow, which was alive with massive stingrays. <laughs> um, and we eventually made it to shore. And that was the end of the anniversary. There was no, there was no subsequent celebrations, um, <laughs> but it did, it did bring home to me potentially the value of checking the tides. The tides, okay. Well, let's talk about tides. Tides worry or not? I'm saying, obviously, from that story, we do worry about tides. I think you need to worry to some extent about the tide. It's not yes. necessarily a deal breaker in most fishing circumstances, no. but Luke, you need to be aware of and, and potentially frame your mm. fishing expedition in light of the tide. I think that's a good point. And I think we've uh, spoken during the series about aiming for the tide change as a time that is a good a productive fishing session time. But obviously there's the fishing and then there's the being stranded in a boat scenario as well. So <laughs> tides are important. I'm saying, yes, we should worry about that, Andrew. Tides are critical. And I've got two examples of this. Um, one example is in game fishing. So, you know, it's probably a few episodes on till our listeners become game fishermen. Yep. But game fishing takes place miles out offshore. Yep. Can't, you know, 30 miles out to sea. You can't yep. even see land. Yep. Why would the tide make a difference out there? For some reason, though, it does. And you can almost set your clock by getting a bite from a big tuna or a marlin around tide change. Within 20 minutes of tide change, way out offshore, in a 1,000 metres of water, those fish will come up and feed for 20 minutes, half an hour, on a tide change. It's just one of those things that happens. And it's, it's happened way too many times for it to be coincidence. Yes. So for some reason, fish like tide changes. The other example I'll give you is an inland water, some 100 kilometres inland from the coast. It's at Proserpine. It's called Peter Faust Dam. So up near Airlie Beach in the Sundays, And some... Some of the guys from Early Beach cottoned on that to go fishing for barramundi in this big dam, they would go and fish a tide change. So no, mm. there's no tide, no. there's no water flow, there's no. no low tide or high tide, but on the tide change, 100 k's off the coast, in from the coast, they were catching fish for a 20-minute, half-hour period. So tide change for some reason, whatever it is, whether it's pressure, whether it's whatever, is critical to catching fish. Barramundi are an interesting one. It's a good thing to raise because them and a lot of estuarine species rely on tides rising and, and dropping to be able to reach their food source. So well, that's that be, true too. That comes into play too. 
um, a lot of the mangroves and so forth at the barramundi or mangrove jack or whatever it may be, need the tide to be high, Nick, to get up into those areas to feed? I have a beautiful little spot where I like to go fishing. It's called Northeast River and it's on um, the northeast corner, coincidentally enough, of Flinders Island. And there, you know, the tide is critical because you can go down there at low tide but as the as the water comes in and starts flooding over the flats and whatever and the big flathead mm. move up, it is a fishery that revolves almost 100% around the fluctuations of the tide. You can go there at high tide, but you couldn't fish it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm saying in terms of tide droop, we worry about tide, we're aware of the tide, we know that the tide is important and it plays a part. And in this day and age, we can get good information about the tide. Yep. You know, there's tide charts for everywhere you go. There's apps. Your weather apps probably have a tide chart on them. Now, tides are different, though, right the way around the country. So, for example, in the Derwent River in Hobart, the tide might be, you know, only 40 centimetres. So So this is the difference between low tide tide and and high tide. So 40 centimetres rise and fall. Which is nothing. Nothing. In the Kimberley, seven metres. Yeah. Eight metres. Which is really something to see. And if you anchor your boat, Luke, Mm. in six metres which is quite a bit of water. It's well and truly over your head yeah. at low tide. Nothing. You'd be sitting nothing. on the mud or the yeah. rocks, yeah. yeah. So it's important when you're reading a tide chart to understand that difference between high tide and low tide and how big the tide actually is. Yes. There is a, uh, a well-worn phrase in fishing, and fishing has got plenty of well-worn phrases, but um, no run, no fun. Mm which typically talks about or is speaking to this idea of some flowing water, some tidal movement often in the water. So, you know, slack water, which is the sort of 45 minutes as low tide transitions into high tide or high tide, uh, an incoming tide transitions into an outgoing tide, uh, you get this period of slack water, which is generally speaking, Hardy, not a great time to fish. No, no run, which no could fun. be confusing because we've just said fish on a tide change, but yep. generally it's that it's that sort of half an hour leading up to a tide change yep. and half an hour, you know, after that slack water. Yes. So it's it generally, yeah, in an estuary situation, if, if you lose all the run, yep. you've lose all the fun. Generally speaking. Slack tide, however, Nick, is very important for people in boats that are heading out through bar crossings or channels or anything like that where it becomes the ideal time to be actually out there. Very much so. Yep. Or even, you know, if you're going out through a barway and the tide is running out and the sea is coming in, it's going to be standing up a lot more than if the tide is coming in and the sea is coming in. So tides do very much matter. Uh, get an understanding for them. Use them to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Fish around a tide change. Understand how fish think. So, you know, at low tide there's going to be less water, dogs. Less yeah. water means more chance to catch a fish. Yes. Mm. The, the ratio changes. The ratio is more in your favour. More fish, <laughs> less water. Andrew, we do know that tides are driven fully by the moon. Yes, I'm glad you raised that, Luke. I know it well. Yeah. Uh, I understand how that works very well. Not. But moon phases apparently are very important. I, I've, got a, I've got a cousin who I grew up fishing with yep. who is mad keen. You're a good fisherman. Thank you. Good fisherman. Thank you very much. Uh, he is next level. Next level. He is an excellent Excellent angler. So he fishes for snapper and he's in Tasmania and snapper in Tasmania are a bit of a mythical fish. Yep, they're there, um, but they're not there in any great numbers. And so he fishes for hours. When he first started snapper fishing, he would average one snapper for 50 hours of fishing. 
put in. Mm. So that's not very good. No. 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 But what he did, he was so fastidious about how he went fishing and keeping records and, and trying to crack the code that he would keep a diary of every time he went fishing and he would keep a diary of the tide and he would keep a diary of his location and he would keep a diary of the moon phase. Yes. And he cracked the code that he can now go fishing on certain moon phases, like maybe, you know, three days before a full moon and four and a half days after a full moon and in the new moon and in the lead up to the dark moon, I don't know. Yes. But he has cracked the code and it works and, you know, he would put his house on the fact that if he went on these days at that tide with that moon phase, he will catch a snapper and the results speak for themselves. He catches more snapper than anyone else in the state. And I can talk... Uh, for some time on this subject, Andrew, mm. because there is a theory developed in, uh, well, it was developed in 1926 by <laughs> um, John Aden Knight and it's called the Sol Luna Theory and it basically um, can be used to describe the feeding behaviour of fish and other wild animals based around... Like werewolves. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> potentially. And they're the full moon. Based around uh, the gravitational force of the moon. The Maori people of New Zealand mm. have a thing called the Maori Fish and Calendar. It probably has a traditional name, but they don't necessarily have a theory around this, but they will get the calendar and lay it down and on the basis of what the moon's doing and if that's not complicated enough mm. because obviously the moon has a gravitational effect effect on the earth, yes. but so too does the sun. Yes. So that's where you get this sol lunar theory. The, these two celestial bodies in yeah. competition yeah. uh, and this is the Maori people who have been fishing uh, for a long time, for a long, yeah. long time. Okay. just lay out the calendar, look at the moon, look at the sun, Look at the tides, overlap the things, and they'll tell you what the best days are. You can, you know, a Maori fishing calendar is uh, available. Look, I'm not sure about you, but my eyes have glazed over and are I'm starting to yawn. Are we worrying about the moon collectively? I mean, look, no. That, no, there's enough proof that if you do worry about the moon, you'll be a very good fisherman. What are the, give me statistical <laughs> numbers on it? No, no, no I'm, I'm saying numbers. don't worry about it. I'm, but that calendar thing you're talking about, people yep. actually fish to it and it gives you a 15-minute bite period each day yep. and they only go fishing in that 15-minute bite period and yet they catch fish. However, I'm saying to be able to go fishing, to be able to get a day off work, to be able to have the tide right to put the boat in or the tide right to fish off the jetty mm -hmm. and for the weather to be kind mm -hmm. enough, yep. let's not worry about the moon. It's just an added complication. What about complication. the fact that when the moon is directly overhead or when the moon is underfoot, <laughs> fish and other animals are most active and feed vigorously, Drew? No, just... I'm sure they do. Yeah. I've I got no doubt that there's something in it, but... I don't yep. care yes. enough. <laughs> and early early in our um, fishing show sort of evolution, we came to that realisation yep. that there are enough things working against you in the world of fishing to not really worry too much about the tide. Tides. A, uh, sorry, uh, the moon. In a perfect world, do it by all means. Tides, yes, we worry. Yep. Moon, no. Life's too short. Okay. It brings us to the next uh, thing we can't control, Luke, mm. and that's the weather. Yes. Yeah, the weather. Uh, it's the one thing that we all check every day, don't we, um, when we're thinking about fishing or boating uh, because it is absolutely critical um, for the most part and, and the biggest element of that would have to be the wind. Look, you become obsessed. 
a bit weather obsessed. You're sort of looking at the weather apps and you're looking five days out and seven days out and you think, oh, that's going to be a good day. Next Wednesday is going to be a good day. And then next Wednesday gets closer and it gets worse and then you're furious and so you look at the following Sunday. Um, and that tends to be my summertime life, just looking at the weather. Um, as you mentioned, you know, wind, I guess, most of my fishing is done via a boat, so I'm looking at the wind to see what it's sort of a boating day it's going to be. Land-based wind is probably less to some degree of a worry. It can be a bit of a double-edged sword in actual fact, you know, if you're fishing land base and, and you've got a good steady breeze, you know, in a lake or a um, dam that's been blowing onto a shore for a while, as Hardy, I think, mentioned in previous episodes, that that has a cumulative effect of bringing food to that shore. So what that will actually do is attract fish. So it can be a really helpful thing um, to aggregate fish to a particular spot. It's less pleasant, obviously, mm, to fish yeah. where it's windy, so that's a consideration. The direction of wind is a consideration, yep. isn't it? Because if you're going to be standing on a jetty, you probably don't want the wind to be blowing in your face. No. So we look at the direction and, yeah, it matters. And there's, But there's probably enough jetties around that you can get out of it because there might be a headland or something like that, so you can actually go to this other jetty where it's a little bit more sheltered. More coming from your, you know, from over your shoulder. That's why it's great to have a few angling options, a few sort of yep. locational options, which give you some opportunity depending on what the weather is doing. So wind, we're going to worry about. I think wind, we have I to say so. yes. Wind yep. is a yes. You know, what's the what's the go no go? You know, cut off point for wind. Twenty knots is a yeah, very windy day. It's 15, horrible. Even, yeah, anything 15 over fifteen is probably unpleasant. Um, you know, I would say in a boating environment, fifteen knots. If it's over fifteen knots, I don't go yep. boating. And people are listening. Go, no, yeah, rubbish! Right, I'll go right, there. Right, Twenty-five yeah. knots, yeah, and four hundred miles to sea. Enjoy. But yeah, go, go for your life. Yep. But I don't want to be there. Yeah. So that's um. So if you're not familiar with the knot scale, that's about thirty k's an hour. So if it's yep. if they're saying thirty kilometres an hour, that's going to be pretty windy. As soon and, as there's white caps on the waves, yeah. As soon as there's waves and, and little white caps on them, go home. Um, <laughs> that's the hook, line, and sinker way. <laughs> uh, so we're worrying about wind. Uh, are we worrying about rain and sunshine? I think that's a personal preference type thing. Do, if it's cold and rainy, I wouldn't go. But uh, no. Fish don't care, do they? I don't think so. What we range fish... more, yeah, personal preference about comfortability. Yeah, it's not necessarily going to affect your day's fishing. I, I don't believe so. Having no. said that, yeah, just spent the weekend fishing for cod. Yeah, and one of the person, one of the people that was there, Murray caught, cod. Yeah. Murray cod. Yeah. We're fishing on the, the Murray River. Hot, stinking hot, stinking hot. Storm rolled in. Thunderstorms, claps of lightning, rain. During that period of rain, mm-hmm. their tinnies nearly filled up with water. There was so much rain. Mm-hmm. They caught like 14 fish, like 13 cod and two yellow belly. Yep. One of the cod was 121 centimetres long. As soon as the rain went away, it was back to catching nothing. Drew, I'm going to throw a little bit of a grenade here. Gee. I'm saying that that's less about the rain yes, and more about the atmospheric pressure. I agree, Nick. I think there's absolutely something in that. And mm. there, there's so many species that react to storms either on their way mm-hmm. or in the middle of a storm that I, I think that's absolutely got to do with it. So the barometer. Oh, oh. the barometer. <laughs> Another fantastic excuse for fishermen to use. Yes, mm. I've used it. If the barometer is, what's the saying? 1020, yep. fish are plenty. Yeah. Yeah. So atmospheric pressure, standard atmospheric pressure is 1013 right. hectopascals at sea level, Luke. Yep. Um, Good. Obviously, it Thank changes you. with altitude. What year was, the, was this all <laughs> discovered in? Uh, 
I'm not. I, I, I'll get back to you. On that. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so ten thirteen. That's that's your standard. That's your baseline. Yep. If you're at ten twenty, that's high. So yes. you've got a high pressure. A you high know, barometer. Uh, if you look at a weather map, there will be an H over the top. A high of pressure you. system. High pressure system. Good weather. If it's at ten oh one, that's low. Yes. That's a low pressure system. Particularly for your inland native species of fish, your Murray Cods, your Barramundis, your things like that, fishos in that space do become a little bit barometer obsessed. Yes. And it's not always necessarily where that barometer is sitting. It's a lot about the movement of it. So yep. there's a lot of theories around even if it's bottoming out. Yep. On the way down, it's a good time. Right. So, so a moving barometer. A moving barometer. Falling or rising. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I'm going to say... Barometer worry or not? No, life's too short. Yeah, but I have again, like the moon, I have absolutely no doubt that it makes a difference. You yeah. know, some days you go out fishing and you just can't explain how good the fishing is. Mm. It's ridiculous, and it's ridiculously good all day. And you see things that you've never thought possible, and you catch things that you never thought possible. And then you go out the next day, yes, same spot. You would you think everything there's not a fish is in the, the same. in the sea? Everything know? is the same. You know, correct. Tide is the same, yeah. moon is much the same, yeah. weather's the same, you're in yeah. the same spot, it's the yeah. same time. What's changed? There's no fish there. Yeah. Um, now, it's just one of those things. It's probably the barometer. Yeah. But, but I'm going to say... It's a basic series we're saying short. we're not worrying. No, it's not something that we have ever, um, has ever dictated being the go or no-go mm. um, trigger for a day's fishing is the barometer. Um, so in this case, not worried about it. Having said that, the storm we alluded to just before that, mm -hmm. we probably are worrying, particularly if there's lightning around. Well, yes. Not yeah. that many people get struck by lightning, they do. <laughs> well, until you look at the statistics and then there's yeah. actually quite a few. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just as a general safety rule, you know, particularly if we're fishing with a seven-foot graphite rod, don't be waving it around, um, you know, when the air is crackling with static electricity, mm. Luke, and you're, uh, all the hairs on your head are standing on end, um, there is the potential, the very long shot potential to uh, maybe get struck by lightning. Good time to fish, though. Well, there is that. There is that. So it's uh, like everything in life, Andrew, it's a balancing act. You're listening to Hook, Line and Sinker, Back to Basics Fishing Series. If you're enjoying the series, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Just hit five stars and tell us what you like about the series and why. You can get in touch with us and say day on our Facebook page, Hook, Line and Sinker, Australian Fishing Show. The weather as a whole and all the factors around it are important and it's yes. good to have your head around them a little bit, Andrew. Gone are the days where it was very analogue and tapping on a bit of glass to get a barometer reading. There's a lot of technology around how to get the weather fast and, and up to speed. Well, I remember, Nick, when we used to go boating, fishing, yep. we'd look in the newspaper yes. at the weather chart. Which is already some time out of so date. So it's a day out of date yep. uh, and you'd look at a weather chart for three days you know, into the future, and you go, gee, that big fat high is sitting Looks straight good. over us. There yep. will not be a breath of wind that day. It's going yep. to be beautiful, calm. Yep. We'd go, we'd take the day off work or something, we'd go, we'd turn up at the boat ramp and there'd be 25 knots of wind and a three-metre swell. Yes. Not uh, ideal. Times have changed. A relatively short space of time. Um, the apps and all the modelling that the Bureau do and whatever else, you know, Weather forecasting obviously has never been better than it is right now and your access to that information has never been better on your phone. Like I use, let's say, 
For example, Windfinder. I'm a fan of Windfinder. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I use Willy Weather. As mentioned, the Bureau of Meteorology here in Australia has a great thing, um, a service called MetEye, which, you know, if you really want to drill down into it. Well, what it does is it doesn't just give you the weather for, say, example, Melbourne. Yeah. It gives you a map on the screen yeah. and you can point to where you're going to go fishing. Yep. So if you're off a jetty, you can point to the jetty or if you're in a boat somewhere, you know, way out to sea, you can point to the general area where you're going to be fishing and it gives you forecasts for wind and swell, Yep. Uh, you know, every hour. And, and that's the thing. It, not only does it give you weather, that side or the apps we're talking about, so you can get all that barometric information, it will have that. It'll have tide information. It yep. has that. It has the moon information. All of that is right there, right at your fingertips. If you want to take notice of it, Luke, there is really no excuse for not. No, and that's all very factual. But there are some things that are a bit less factual, superstitions and myths around why not to go fishing or what not to do when fishing or things that you must do when fishing. Yes, Yes, as a, as a really old and ancient art, fishing has its own set of myths and stereotypes and strange sort of folklore. Mm, I think one of, the, one of the most common myths that you hear or superstitions that you hear about boating in particular is the bananas. No bananas on a boat. And I'm not really sure. I don't know the background on that. I don't I've know. got some background for you, Nick. Let's. Well, good. This yeah. is good. Don't feel, oh, we'll just make myself comfortable. I can't there. give you a century. Or a, but ships carrying other types of fruits back in the day. Bananas yeah. give off oh, ethylene do. gas. Yes, makes everything go off. Makes everything go off. Bloody bananas. Yep. So there you go. You can take that home and tell your kids that uh, you learned something today, Nick. Right. Mm. So and that's gone to now, if there's a banana on board, you won't catch a fish. That's what it's yeah. turned into. Yeah, because just... everything's rotten, Drew, the whole thing, the whole ship, mm. the whole operation. Mm. It's just turned into a bad luck fruit. Look, I'm not, I don't worry about any of those superstitions. There's no superstition that I'm going to worry about. I'm happy to eat a banana on a boat. What about never starting a trip on a Friday? Well, that's just a stupid one. I mean, a Friday is a great day to start I mean, a trip. I mean, you know... Superstitions, by and large, are you just you can't dismiss them out of hand. What about <laughs> you know Friday? There's got to be there must have been something bad that happened to exactly. someone on a Friday. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. What about you? You're a, you've got you've owned many boats in your day, Nick. Many, have you ever many. Re- I have renamed a lot at the moment, Luke. If you'd like to buy one, <laughs> have you ever renamed any? Because that yes is bad luck according it's to a lot of people. Terrible luck. Uh, We've renamed boats. Diabolical luck. I've renamed boats and um, Andrew's renamed boats. Most of the ones he's renamed have sunk. Well, most of my boats have some sort of problem. (laughs) That's not because I renamed them. Um, No, we have renamed boats and I must admit at the time I thought, well, I know it's not good luck to rename a boat, but it kind of hasn't stopped me doing it anyway, which is going to be my general um, sort of feeling towards all superstitions. Okay. I'm happy to acknowledge them. Um, like whistling when you're fishing. Apparently, if you're whistling when you're fishing, mm. the wind will come. It'll bring a gale. That's mm. just like believing in Santa Claus and unicorns. Mm. Well, what, well, this one's an interesting one that I that I read recently, mm. and, and a, it's about having a dog near your fishing tackle is bad luck. Now, you've gone to the next level that, Nick, and made your dog your fishing tackle. Yes, and I can categorically, unambiguously... <laughs> yeah. Put a line through that one, Luke, because dogs, you know, we all know that if a dog goes into the water within 
six to eight seconds, it's eaten by a large shark. Yes. So, you know, there's good luck in that. They're, they're a terrific fish attractant. So don't let your dog put you off. Get the dog involved. All right. So superstitions, I'm saying, a bit dumb. Yeah. Um, what about lucky bits of apparel? Do you have a lucky hat? Do you have some lucky undies? Have you got a lucky rod or a lucky lure? I, I lucky lure, yeah. and I think it stems mm. back to last episode where we were talking about confidence. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got lures that I can tie on and they're my lucky lures. Not so much for me, just given I don't have so much luck with the lures but, um, <laughs> and I uh, tend to bend them. But no, I, no, I don't have any real superstitions no. and I understand these superstitions exist and, and people are into it. And if you're into it, happy days. By all means, wear the same hat when you go yeah. fishing. One is apparently redheads are bad luck. Well, that's fair enough. Well, that's what I thought too, but then my firstborn daughter, oh, yeah. she's a little bit ginger. Oh. I was devastated. Okay. <laughs> I love her very yeah, much, yeah, but yeah. I was just yeah. devastated. Yeah. Well, I think life's too short to worry too much about superstitions when it comes to fishing. I think it's there's more to it. We're about truth and helping people get out and enjoy it. Nick, what are some of the takeaways from you for the Back to Basics series? Luke, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Put the superstitions aside, worry about the truisms. And I think one of the great truisms, and probably for me uh, the number one, is if you find the food, you will find the fish. Fish are simple creatures, uh, creatures of habit. Um, So if we're talking about the locations that we're going to go fishing as a beginner, these are going to be piers and jetties. Think about piers and jetties as fish attracting devices. They've got all those nice pylons and columns with things growing on them and little fish feeding and big fish coming in. Likewise on the beach, look for the gutters, look for the deep water where it's not breaking. Find the food and you will find the fish. It's very, very good advice, dogs, because fish have to eat. Look, as a fisher person starting off, the the number one mistake that I see is that they fish far too heavy. They buy a rod yep. that is far too stiff, like a broomstick. Yep. They use line that is far too heavy that the fish will see yep. and that they can't cast. They use hooks that are too big, so they won't catch any. Yeah, you know, they won't hook anything. They use sinkers that massive. are massive, massive that are just not. You know that the. the the best chance they've got is if one of the sinkers hits a fish on the head and it floats back up. It's like the only chance they've got of catching a fish. So the the number one bit of advice for beginners, in my opinion, is to keep it simple and to keep it very, very light. So think back to our, our number one rig is just a hook on a line and work from there. And let's make that line pretty light. Let's make it only, you know, five or 10 pound. Let's keep our rod a nice light graphite rod, our reel quite small. And if we have to tie a sinker on, let's tie the smallest sinker we need on. Let's not tie a big bomb on and and, and throw it out there because it's just going to take away the, the natural presentation of the bait. Let's use small hooks, let's use little baits, little lures, and you'll find that you'll catch a lot more fish. I've said it time and time again, you will catch big fish, trophy fish on small baits and lures, but you won't catch many fish on big baits and and lures. So let's just keep it simple and keep it light. I love it. I love it. And what I'm hoping is that we've inspired people throughout this series to get out and have a go because that's what it's all about. And we've got a magnificent country here in Australia, lots of good waterways and plenty of fantastic fishing opportunities. So get out, have a bit of fun, have a go. And don't be afraid to ask questions if you need help. Yep. Well, that's it for us. I hope you've enjoyed the Back to Basics series and I hope there's been something that you can take away to get you out fishing. Nick? 
Luke, I am inspired, and I think I've learned quite a bit through the course of the series. Um, you know, I need to uh, re-examine the way that I'm potentially going fishing and maybe just bring it back a touch, keep it light, uh, dumb it down maybe. Drink. What you need to do, Nick, yep. uh, and look, I sign autographs like this, yep. is keep it real. When I say keep it real, I spell real, R-E-E-L, like fishing reel. Keep it real and also keep your rod up. Um, but look, he, we've stole, got some, he stole both of those from I me. I did not. Um, <laughs> we've got uh, some great ideas for some more series, so uh, really looking forward to it. This has been very enjoyable. Keep it real. Book, <laughs> Wine and Sinker is presented by Nick Digan, Andrew Hart and Luke McCredden. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson.